Well, church, hope you're doing well. You know, as I always like to do is encourage you to read the Word of God, and especially in light of today's message, I encourage you to read Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 19. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 19, really dwell on that verse. And I encourage you to keep praying. Pray every day. Find someone to pray with. Pray about our church. Pray about your life. Pray about what's going on in our world. But also pray about something else. Pray that you can share the word of God with someone. Pray that God will use you in your context, whatever that may be. It may be a text, a letter, an email, a verbal conversation, a note, a track, who knows. Pray that God will use you and, and, and let you see the, all, all the opportunities that you have so people can know the love of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and all that you have done. God, we just ask your continual blessing upon us. We ask you to bless with all those churches that are meeting, Lord, in whatever capacity. Lord, especially with the governments that are trying to stop churches from meeting in some, in some form or another, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you be with them. We pray you be with the missionaries and you be with the individuals who are not able to even come to church, Lord, that you remind them that you love them and that we're in this together. God, we know we, we can say these things to you because you want us to talk to you. you. You want us to dwell on the good that you are doing. And you want us to, to be convicted of our sins to know that you're going to get us through it all, despite our failures. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful gospel in which we look at. God, we pray also, too, that as you invade our hearts and minds right now in this moment, that you expose any idols, any, any hate, any anger, any, any worry, and that we can just throw our burdens upon you, upon your son, and just cling to the cross in your love. Fill us with your hope, love, and peace, Lord, so we can be, so we can live this faith that we have consistently before all to see to show that your love is greater than our sin. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for being in control of all things so we don't have to be. We pray this in your son's name, amen. All right, so what makes uh, Christianity so different from every other religion out there and, and what separates it from all the cults of the world that try to categorize themselves as Christian, they're out there, is the gospel of God's grace. The gospel declares that all has been done in Christ for you through faith in him alone. That is it. Your works your achievements, your doings, your best of law followings, your best of whatever, do not earn anything before God, nor do they keep anything for you from God. They don't keep his blessings and his favor upon you or, or keep you in right standing with him. Faith alone in Jesus Christ, faith in his works for you, is what gives you and maintains all of that. Faith in Jesus alone is what makes you right before God and keeps you right before God. See, because the emphasis of Christianity is, is what has been done in Jesus, not what you do. See, the, the grace of God is, is so freeing because this gospel message reveals that you are not in control. What you do has no impact on how much God loves you and blesses you. The gospel says God, God loved you before you were lovable and continues to love you as you do unlovable things. 
God gives you the rewards without you achieving them and continues to do so as you fail before him. That is what grace is. Getting what we do not deserve all through faith in Christ. This, that never goes away over us. God being gracious over us never goes away. We don't begin our life by grace through faith in Christ and then move on now to doing works to keep his grace. For that doesn't make any sense. It would no longer be grace. No, we begin with God's grace over us through faith in Christ and we continue to live by his grace through faith in Christ. This is what gives us freedom in this world. We don't have to be defeated by our failures, our sins, our problems, or our weaknesses because we know they do not hinder us from God's love. God's love for me or you is not dependent upon what we do or do not do before him. We simply receive his love through faith in Christ. Our worst days... Before God, like where it's just sin after sin, and maybe one or two small good deeds or thoughts, compared to our best days before God, where it's just good deed after good deed, and and, and maybe a small sin here or there, you know, just one anger. They don't, none of that plays a role in how much He loves you and I. He just loves us because He loves us. God loves sinners so much, you and me, that he sent his son to die for us so that we could be justified before him and have all of our sins forgiven so we would not be consumed by his wrath. It was out of his love, because of his love, in response to his love to us. This concept of the gospel is huge. I mean, God does not love you because of what you can do or your potential. You could not and can never do anything to make him love you. You are a sinner. But yet, God loves you anyways. And sent, and this is why he sent his son for you. To pay the debt of sin that you owe. To take the wrath that you deserve away from you. Why? Because God loves sinners. Do you see how how freeing that is? God loves you so much that he sent his son to justify you completely before him. To fulfill all the laws that you broke and will break. To pay off all the debt you owed. So that through faith in Christ alone, you only get to experience the love that God has for you. Experience it right now in your life, right now through faith in Christ alone, despite your horrible and incomplete performance before him. If you think you're doing good, just start talking to people to say, do I have any problems? They will point them all out. Now, does this mean we get a license then to to sin? Does this mean we get to... As Christians, we now get to sin all the more. No, of course not. But it does mean that when we sin, which we do a lot, all the time, God loves us. God's love over us doesn't change. 
And this is why we have true freedom in this world. For, for God's love is upon us and his love is greater than our sin. For we have the best gift right now that we could ever have. We have God as our father who loves us dearly, who is working everything for our good in him and his son, Jesus Christ, who also loves us dearly and is working in us so we can be at rest through faith in him. So today we're going to continue to look at Paul's prayer, uh, or the second prayer in this book of Ephesians. Um, so our, our title today is Christ's Love. And our text then is finishing off this prayer uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And, and it is here that Paul is really going to press in just how great this love of God is for us. So for our context, Paul has just finished praying in this prayer that the Ephesians would be strengthened in their inner man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul here now expands on that, in verse, on that prayer in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this brings us to our first point. Christ's love, understand, you are founded in it. Now remember here, Paul is speaking to and, and praying for believers, not people who don't know Christ. So what he is saying here then in the context of this whole prayer is that the Holy Spirit would continually conform them to the image of Christ. The word dwell here means to make a permanent residence, uh, to make a permanent home, in, uh, the, to make a permanent home of Christ in their hearts. Or put differently, Paul is praying that Christ becomes their controlling factor of everything that they are. The Holy, that he's praying that the Holy Spirit would change their, their minds, their will, their emotions, their thoughts, their personality, their character. Everything which is the center of our being. Everything that makes up you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So they already know Christ. And because of that... This text reveals that Paul is praying through, that through the Holy Spirit, Christ then will be exalted in everything that they are. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. That's his job. He helps us make much of Christ in all of our life, in all things. John 16 verse 14 says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, referring to Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is what happens to us through faith in Christ over time, throughout our life. Christ is making making his home within our hearts. Through this power of the Holy Spirit, he, he will change us to be conformed to his image. The Holy Spirit makes us identify with Christ more and more in our hearts, all through faith, all through trusting, not through what we do, but through faith alone, this transformation happens. See, the, the, the great goal of our lives now as Christians are, is not to be a successful people of God. Success is, is not necessarily this, this goal. Christ dwelling in our hearts does not mean that we will prosper in this life in a worldly sense. God is not, making your, is not about making your life better in that you'll have no problems and, and that you won't have pain. I know some of you are like, well, yeah, keep having it. 
No, his goal for you is to make you more like his son by trusting in Christ alone. And what that most likely means is that he will remove things from you in this life. For the more Christ dwells or makes his home in your heart, guess what? He's going to move stuff out so you trust in him more. He's going to change things around. He's going to break your false idols. He's going to remove your false securities. He's going to trash your false hopes. He's going to rearrange all your values. He's going to go in and expose and annihilate all those chains of sin. Even the ones you don't realize you were doing because you thought that was just the way of life. He's going to go in and say his blood covers all of it. And you have been fully redeemed and fully forgiven. So you don't need those sins. The power is gone. You don't need those sins anymore, so let them go. Christ dwelling in your hearts means that you become more dependent upon him and his ways through trusting in him. And the kicker of all of this, it's not us who does this, but Christ himself who does this all for us. That's why Paul says, through faith in Jesus. See, Paul is saying, look, Christ is making a difference in you. You don't make the difference in you. He does. You just need to submit to him by faith more and more every day. Trust. Paul is praying that they will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to do this, to trust in Jesus more. Not to do more, but to trust more. It takes the power of God to do such a thing because our hearts are bent on thinking we must earn things before God. The gospel says it's all done in Jesus. Just trust. Our hearts want to scream, I must, I must, and I must. But Paul is praying that through the Holy Spirit, as Christ dwells in our hearts through faith and making his home there, that our hearts will simply say, I trust, I trust, and I trust. See, what Paul's getting at is that there and our biggest problems that we face as Christians is not that we don't do enough for Christ. Our biggest hurdle is that we don't trust Christ as much as we should with our life, with all that we are. We always fall into this idea of, yes, grace, but... Yes, Jesus said it was, you know, finished, but, but I mean, was it really... Paul is saying, look, there is no but. Only Christ by faith in him. That's it. That's it. You don't fix, you don't change yourself or anyone. That's all on Christ. Paul is saying, don't be burdened by your failures. Don't be overcome by your sins. Christ has you covered. He says, don't hold on to your achievements as your identity and be afraid of losing them. Don't do more things in thinking that you're going to make yourself something before God so then he'll finally bless you with something. Rather, just hold on to Christ by faith. Look to his doings for all that you are. Look to him alone. You are completely free now from the power of sin and death because 
Because, as he says, something wonderful has happened to them. Something wonderful has happened to you in which he wants us to realize. He says in verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love. Notice Paul is describing them as they are, not something for them to obtain. He says, you have been rooted or planted and have been grounded or built in love. Or put differently, God has created you as his new creation out of his love for you, which is seen in Christ now who dwells in your heart. Paul is saying the very foundation of our relationship with God is based in his love for us. His relationship now is a pure seeking of your betterment in him in this world. Every aspect of your relationship with God through faith in Christ is all rooted and grounded in his love over you. God's love for you is the fertile soil to which you draw your strength from. God's love for you is the solid foundation to which you base all that you are on. Paul is saying to these believers, we need to realize that God's interaction with you is never out of anger. It is never out of his wrath. It's never out of his punishment. But everything that is done towards you is done in love towards you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So to help us see then that this context of what Paul's about here to say next, this, so we can kind of get a bigger picture of being rooted and grounded in love, what this means is just from what Paul has stated in this letter up to this point of, in this prayer, from the very beginning to now, he says that God loves them so much, they are rooted in love so much that they have been chosen of God, they had been given Christ, they have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, they have been made alive, they have been raised and seated with Christ spiritually in the heavenly realms, they have been fully redeemed, they have been created anew as his heritage and his family, they have been given all the spiritual blessings, and much, much more, not, a, not out of anything they have done, but simply out of God's love for them, for us sinners. We are rooted and grounded in love even though we fail God every day. We are established in God's love nonetheless. So this is why we can grow in trusting Jesus, which is why he says in verses 18 through 19, that they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And this brings us to our second and last point of Christ's love for you. You are always to learn about it. And that, that's key. So it's here that Paul says that we will spend the rest of our lives studying the gospel of God's grace. See, even, even before we take apart these, these verses here, if you get nothing else, understand this, you do not move on from the gospel, but you go deeper into the gospel by faith. Christ is in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit to help you understand what was accomplished for you upon the cross. That's why he's there. 
And even more to the point, God wants you to know and to learn all about his gospel, his love for you. God loves you and wants you to grasp it. Or as Paul says, comprehend it. To devote your mind, your heart, your will, your life to knowing his love for you that you do not and cannot earn, that you do not deserve, that you cannot keep and you cannot lose by what you do before him, but you simply have. So the goal of Paul praying for them by faith in Christ is to know Christ's love for them. And notice, it's not just for pastors or teachers or people in lifelong ministry who are devoted to full-time ministry. No, he says to comprehend with all the saints, all of us as individuals and corporately, we're all to know God's great unconditional love towards us as sinners that is fully displayed in this gospel. And, And the power to do this comes from God's love for us so we can know his love for us. So in essence, Paul in this text is saying we can never speak or preach too much about God's gracious love. For that is what God's gracious love empowers us to do in our life, to know his love more and more through faith. So when Paul gives these descriptions of breadth, length, height, depth, and then says, and to know the love of Christ, that word and, it's not in addition to, but it means as a reference to knowing Christ's love. Paul is not wanting us to focus so much on each dimension that he's speaking of, although you you possibly could. Like you could think of such things as Psalm 103, verses 10 through 13, which may have been on Paul's mind when he's praying this, It says in Psalm 103, and and you'll see what I mean here in verses 10 through 13, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repays us according to our iniquities. For as high are the heavens above the earth below, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. But but the main point of how it's written here in the Greek is that Paul is wanting us to see the full totality, the the completeness. He is emphasizing the powerful, perfect, absolute, never-ending, vastness, wholeness of Christ's love for us, for you and I individually and corporately. Paul is wanting them to know this love of Christ. And the word here is referring, and the word here to know in the context is referring to the heart or the inner man. Paul is saying, I want you to know the love of Christ with your entire being because that is what, that is what you're all about now. You are rooted and grounded in love, in his love to know it. So to know the love of Christ who dwells in our hearts is an intellectual and experiential knowledge. It's both. To know his love, and and as we learn to know his love, we can never fully exhaust it and fully comprehend it, which is why Paul says 
that it surpasses knowledge. He's not saying that we cannot know Christ's love at all. That would, that would go against every single thing that he's talking about here. But what he's saying is that Christ's deep affection, his self-sacrificing tenderness, his, his passionate sympathy, his, his marvelous embracement of us that is revealed in the gospel is something that we will never say that we know enough of. Or we have fully comprehended it now. It's time to move on to bigger and greater things. Because there is nothing bigger and greater than the gospel of God's gracious love for you. There will always be more to know. Always be more to experience. His love will always take you deeper. For there is no bottom. There is no end. There is no cap to his love. Paul is praying that you and I would be consumed with the love of Christ over us. Be consumed with the truth that he's always seeking your highest good. Because, because there's always no, always more to know about this love. This gospel message will never be exhausted. No matter how much you think you know it, there's always more room to know about his love for you. How truly and vast and unconditional it is. Paul is saying that if you are in Christ, you will always be on this amazing journey of learning more about his love for you. And what makes, and what is even more interesting about this prayer is that Paul is not petitioning these people to love Christ more and more, which is important. Yes. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Paul is not petitioning people to love Christ more and more. Which we do. We're supposed to. He's petitioning. The focus of this prayer or of this text is for Paul is that they see how much Christ loves them. The focus of Christianity, the focus of your life is not your love for God, but his deep, unconditional love for you. That is what sets you free. Not your love for him, but his love for you. See, focusing on his, on his love for us is what changes our hearts. That is what gives us the power to live radically. That is what gives us the power to live selflessly, self, selflessly and victoriously in this world. It is his love for us sinners that enables our heart to repent of sins. When the focus is off of you and what you can do, and rather the focus is on what Christ has done and is being done for you, that is what sets you free. Let me be a bit blunt here. You don't make Christianity special. Christ loved us. You don't make Christianity interesting. Christ loved us. You don't draw people to Christ. Christ loved us. You don't change people's hearts. Christ loved us. Christianity is not about you and what you do. It's about the love of Christ and what he has done. That is what makes the difference in this world. That is what makes the difference in others. And that's what makes the difference in you. 
See, our focus when we go to his word, it's not a history lesson. It's not a moral lesson. No, we go to his word to learn about his vast love. When we speak of Christianity to others, we don't speak to them so they can be a good person and start fitting our standards because we can't stand it when they... No, we go and we speak to Christianity to others so they can learn about and know his love. When we come together, we're gathering in his name. We don't gather because it makes us better than the world or puts a chip on our shoulder because look, look at me. I'm a holy person. No, we gather to know his love personally that is declared in his word and experience his love as a people through each other. Christ's love, which was fully displayed in the gospel, is so great and vast and enticing that that is what draws us to him more and more, or at least it should. If his love is not an interest to you, and you have no desire to know his love more and more, then you need to rethink where you are with Christ. See, it is his gracious love towards us that makes this whole thing called Christianity so uplifting, encouraging, and freeing. I mean, when you study the gospel, which displays his love, it boggles the mind. It says that no matter how deep your sin, his love is there to cover it. No matter how painful the heartache you created because of your pride, because of your anger, because of your ignorance, because of your know-it-all, his love is there to mend it. No matter how exhausted you are because you keep trusting in yourself because you keep trying to make things better and, and figure it all out, his love is there to carry you. God loves you more than you realize. He loves you more than you would even like to admit. His love is so deep for us, it's hard to comprehend it all, but we just have to look to the cross for the proof that his love is real. God loves sinners. He loves failures. He loves the ignorant. He loves the haters. He loves the adulterers, the liars, the perverted, the fornicators, the mess up, the selfish, the arrogant, the prideful, the know-it-alls. He loves the unworthy sinners because unworthy sinners is all there is in this world. This is why amongst the chaos in our life, amongst the confusion, amongst our failures, in our sins, we can have peace, joy, and hope for all these things are not found in what we do for him. But they're all found in Jesus, what he has done for us, for you, through faith in him. This is why, that, as this old song says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, our, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Why? Because he loves you. We have nothing to gain anymore, nothing to work off, nothing to protect, nothing to hold on to, nothing to fear, for everything is found in Christ and his love for us. Because of his deep love for us, we have the very thing this world wants but never can obtain. We have become truly a free people through faith in Jesus. So free that death itself now works in our favor. It only helps us to know our Savior's love even deeper and deeper because we get to see him face to face.
and have his loving arms embrace us as we place our head upon his chest and get to hear the words, I love you, welcome home. Even though you failed him much in this world, you get to hear him say, I love you. That's the love that surpasses knowledge. He loves you. So Paul ends this, and we're coming to an end here. So Paul, Paul ends this by saying at the end of verse 19 that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what you have here is Paul, Paul stating that it is from this gospel of God's gracious love for you that we draw all of our strength from so we can mature in our faith by becoming weaker in trusting ourselves but stronger in trusting in him in all things. We are to be filled with his fullness through trusting, through surrendering, through leaning, giving up of ourselves by being filled with his fullness of grace. Not that we become God or become part of God. Like that's not what he's saying here. That's some weird stuff. Stay away from that. No, what he means here is that we become more dependent upon him, dependent upon his love, so that his, his love shines through us in all that we do here on earth. He shines through our imperfections and failures. This is the goal of all of us, the goal of knowing and experiencing his great love for us, the great love of God in our life. This is the climax of, of Paul's prayer, that we all can grow into being more dependent upon Jesus for everything as we're on this massive quest of faith and learning about his love for us. So it is this learning of his love through faith in which God fills us by his love to reflect him in our life that consequently changes us and drives us to repentance of our sins because we're overwhelmed by his great love for us, for the very sins we are committing or about to commit. He sent his son to die for so we can be forgiven and have the greatest gift of all time, the gift of being with God for eternity and experiencing his presence of his loving favor right now in our life, even though we still sin. Christ is still there loving us, filling us with his love through faith because he will never let go of us simply because he loves us. And I think, I think this quote kind of sums up what we spoke here today. Grace means that there is nothing I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do to make God love me less. Church, this is what gives us hope, because Jesus paid it all for us through faith in him, and nothing in this world will ever take that away, not even our own failures. God's love is truly greater than our sins. It's his love that melts our hearts of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. So be encouraged today, for God loves you so much that all those sins you did this week, that you're trying to hide, whatever you looked at, whatever you said, whatever you felt, God sent his son to pay off all of them. And all those sins that you're going to commit, that people will point out, and you'll do, and you may even deny that you're doing it, but you know you're doing it, he paid off those two. Just keep looking to the cross as the proof of his love for you, church. And I pray if you don't know him today, you don't know this love, oh, I pray you come to know him today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I know there are people that don't know you. But God, you want them to know you and you love them. That's why you sent your son. I pray that they can just trust in you right now. God, I know that there are people out there who are trying to work for your love, that they have faith in you, but they're trying to work for it. Lord, tell them that they have it. Remind them that they have it. 
They just need to trust in you. And you're going to work out everything. God, I know that there are people out there looking at their circumstances thinking that maybe your love is gone. But it's not. Remind them you are now working everything for their good to trust in you. God, I pray that we all could be encouraged to be to trust in your gospel, to trust in Jesus more and more and to experience your love, that that be the driving force to see your face, to see Jesus, and to see his smile. God, thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.